0: Hey, Pastor Josh here. Thanks so much for watching our videos. If you'd like more information about Legacy City Church, you can go to LegacyCityChurch.com. Please don't forget to like, subscribe and hit the bell below. God bless you. We are going to be in Matthew chapter 10 in our Bibles, Matthew chapter 10. And we've been working through a series I've titled Jesus Worldview. Jesus Worldview. We want the worldview of Christ. We want to see through his eyes, through his lens, especially in a day like today, where the earth is uh, in confusion still, the uh, Los Angeles in confusion as well on many levels. And um, I think a lot of people nervous about the unknown, always nervous about the unknown, what's on the other side of this month, uh, this week, this year. And we get to keep looking through the eyes of Christ and resting in His vision, resting in His positions, resting in His opinions, resting in His view. When you have His view, when you have His perspective, when you get to see through the eyes of God, it can bring rest and peace to our lives right now, today we've been working through the book of Matthew and this is sermon number 47 in the book of Matthew we will cover verses 5 to 25 today 20 verses before us and so I'm gonna teach a little different than I normally would we'd do a, a, a smaller portion and I would build uh, points out of that but today we're just gonna work through the text verse by verse and uh, you'll be able to see some of the principles laid out before us the title of the message today if you're taking notes is living in the new kingdom Living in the new kingdom. What kingdom is that? Well, there was a new king on the earth. His name was Jesus. Really not an old king, an ancient king, but he was declared as king in that day and age. And then he told his disciples, the 12, the apostles, go declare the kingdom is here. Go declare the kingdom is now. Go declare the kingdom of heaven is in his people. Go and declare that the king has arrived and there's a new kingdom. And while we have lots of kings on the earth right now ruling and reigning or trying to, their worldly kingdom, putting forth their commands, their decrees, their ways, their rules, their laws, we know that we have another king that we follow and that we adhere to and that we obey, and that we walk in. And as citizens of his kingdom, we live out the kingdom in the here and now. What does it look like to be a part of his kingdom here and now, in our hearts, in our minds? And someone walking up saying, it seems like you live according to a different set of rules and regulations, are, do you, uh, are you a citizen of this town? You're like, well, yes, kind of but I'm a citizen of another kingdom. Really? Yes, and I live according to His commands and His ways. We are living on earth as it is in heaven. We are trying to live out on earth as it is in heaven. And what we see Jesus do today is break down once again for His disciples, His 12 apostles, what this kingdom living looks like as they live it here on this earth in a world amongst other kingdoms he will warn them and he will instruct them you say there's castles all around you there's war and battle all around you but you are to keep your eyes on the kingdom keep preaching it keep living it so want to read verses 5 to 15 with you can we stand for the reading of God's Word We always stand for the reading of God's word to pay honor to him and to remember whose word we are reading. As we stand and as we read this text, I want you to allow your mind to transport back 2,000 years ago and to watch Jesus instruct his disciples as he is about to send them out into the world to preach another kingdom. And to watch and to contrast how difficult it can be to keep our minds living in the kingdom of heaven in an earth that is in such chaos. The disciples had to do it too. These twelve had to do it too. Take a look what Jesus says. Look at verse 5. These twelve Jesus sent out instructing them, Go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel and proclaim as you go, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. You received without paying, give without pay. Acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belts, no bag for your journey or tunics or sandals or staff, for the laborers deserve... Deserves his food and whatever town or village you enter find out who is worthy in it and stay there until you depart And as you enter the house greet it and if the house is worthy Let your peace come upon it and if it is not worthy let your peace return to you And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words Shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town Truly I say to you it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town Let's pray Father, we thank you for your word, and we ask as we get to listen in on a conversation that you, Jesus, had with your 12 apostles, would you help us to be able to glean from it and apply principles to our own lives? We pray that you'd bless this time as we study your word. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. We looked at the 12 disciples in detail last week. Do you remember? We saw 12 men that turned the world upside down. Jesus had equipped them alone to do miracles on demand. They could do miracles on demand. We talked about how the apostles were only capable of doing this. We don't have apostles in this day and age that can do this. And if someone stands up and says, oh, yes, I can. I am an apostle. I say, really? Let's go to the hospitals right now. Raise them up. Let's see you do miracles on demand if you are an apostle of God. Let's see you write down some scripture, please. Oh, interesting. You're not able and capable of doing that. You were not discipled specifically by Jesus in person for three years, you were not with him. These were the requirements of being an apostle. And there was a specific purpose for Jesus raising up these 12 apostles it was to birth forth the church they were going to go into towns that had never heard anything about jesus never heard anything about the christ or messiah and start proclaiming this message of truth people look at them like you're crazy they say i tell you about another kingdom there's another kingdom and there's another king who rules the universe and i'm telling you he's come to forgive you of what you've done against each other there is a god who sees all that you do and he's come to forgive you And he's calling upon you to follow him and to come into close relationship with him. And they say, we don't believe this message. And they say, bring me the leper in town. They would lay hands on the leper and he would be healed. And then the town would be completely open to the gospel. Because of the work of the miracles, because of the supernatural in front of their eyes. We saw these 12 men turn the world upside down. They healed every sickness and every disease. They were sent to preach the kingdom of God. Though in turning the world upside down, we also saw that they died terrible deaths for doing so. Minus John, they tried to kill him, but they couldn't. All of them were obedient unto death, as the Lord Jesus was. He said, Nobody takes my life from me. I lay it down. Oh no, the Romans are killing him. Persecution has come upon Jesus. Jesus says, No one takes my life from me. I lay it down willingly for my sheep. Matthew details the rest of these instructions given to the twelve by Jesus in the text before us. And we need to remember the context of this text. That Jesus is speaking specifically to his apostles, these 12. And while we can glean principles from this text for our lives, these words are not specifically written to us. They're written to the 12 apostles. And if you want to argue, yes, they are. It's all written exactly to us, and we can do what the apostles do, then I challenge you, live out these truths as the apostles did. I will. Okay, we'll see. The text before us, look at verse 5 in the 12 Jesus sent out instructing them, Go nowhere among the Gentiles. Enter no town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So these 12 were specifically called to go to their people, the Jewish people, the house of Israel first. They were not called to go to the Gentile, the non-Jew. They were instead called to go to the nation of Israel first. God said about Israel through the prophet Jeremiah, Jeremiah 50 verse 6, My people have been lost sheep. Their shepherds have led them astray and caused them to roam on the mountains. They wandered over mountain and hill and forgot their own resting place. Sad. They forgot where their resting place was. They have wandered from God. Romans 1 verse 6, interesting, we quote the first half of this very often, but we forget the very last couple words there. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first, also to the Greek. Interesting, to the Jew first. You see, the gospel came to the Jewish people first, but they, then many of them rejected it. If you didn't know, the Jewish nation came through Abraham. Abraham was a pagan who heard the voice of God and by faith obeyed him. And through his descendants came forth Israel, the nation. Moses and the law of God came through all of this. All of the prophets came through this nation. King David and, of course, the Messiah, the Lord Jesus, would come through this nation, the bloodline. The entire story is wrapped into one. The Messiah came through the Jewish people and of course would offer salvation to them, fulfilling all of the Old Testament. The Old Testament is completely wrapped around the idea of a Messiah, a savior coming and saving them from their sins, which separates them from God. And as we see the whole world being separated from God and needs a savior, a Messiah to die for their sins and bring forgiveness for their sins, to reconcile them back to the God who made them. It is one complete story. It says, verse 7, and the Lord proclaimed, told them, proclaim as you go, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Go to the Jews and tell them the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is a specific phrase that you find in Matthew. But in all of the other gospels, you see the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven was a bit more palatable for the Jewish people. The kingdom of God would offend them. But those reading the gospel, they would receive the kingdom of hand a bit easier. The 12 were told to go and start proclaiming proclaiming the kingdom of Christ because the king was here. The kingdom of the Messiah is at hand. He has arrived. It's being fulfilled. All of the law and the prophets pointed to this moment. It is the pinnacle of the story of redemption. The ultimate sacrifice in the temple has been made by the Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus, who will take away the sins of the world. The pinnacle moment of the entire Jewish story. Adam and Eve sinned against God which caused sin to come forth in our veins, which plunged the world into darkness and into sin, then the law of God would come forth and a temple would come forth in which, and a tabernacle would come forth in which people would come into this place to have their sins paid for by the death of an animal so they could be reconciled back to the God that we were broken away from back on the Garden of Eden. And Jesus, the Messiah, would come once and for all and stand in the temple, in the tabernacle, and say, I am the Lamb of God who will be put to death to reconcile the whole world, the broken system, back into relationship with the God who made them back in the Garden of Eden. This is the gospel message and the story of redemption. You know why humans are so messed up? It's because they're so far from God. The one who is love. We have been made to be in a relationship with the God who made us. And because we are not in relationship with him, the one who is love in relationship, learning to love, understanding his love, then in relationship with other people, we find ourselves loving and serving and forgiving and and pouring out generously on them as we have been poured out on, you see? This is the whole story of life. We are called to know God, walk with him, love him with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And as you do so, we will discover we are called to love the people around us in society. We are called to create and build as God is a creator and a builder. We are made in his image and we are called to subdue and multiply all over the earth that's that's the whole shebang right there little burrito for you there you go slide it across the counter love God love your neighbor and enjoy the earth that's all that God desires in us and for us the disciples were going to proclaim that the kingdom the way that it was always supposed to be is now back in full effect And there's the king. There he is. There's the one who is in charge of all of this. Let's go and worship him. Let's go and adore him. Let's go and lift him up. Let's follow him. That's all that they were doing. The disciples were to go and preach the kingdom and live the kingdom now. What does that look like? Jesus starts to break it down. Verse 8, take a look. He tells them, go heal the sick raise the dead cleanse lepers cast out demons i love this they were to manifest the kingdom of heaven now and jesus gave them the power to do it completely to show those on earth the king of heaven is here all is being fulfilled and they went into town and preached the kingdom of god is actually here then they displayed it with miracles of heaven and people were moved convicted and changed The apostles mission was to display the new kingdom and they did it let's fast forward to the actual kingdom of God in Revelation 21 you want to hear what it looks like you want to hear what heaven is like on earth let me tell you it says verse 3 John wrote this down he said I heard a loud voice from the throne from the throne saying behold The dwelling place of God is with man, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the former things have passed away. And the one seated on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. Amen. I'm making all things new. Brand new car smell everywhere. <laughs> the whole earth. New sunsets. New trees and plants and animals. New bodies, new haircuts, praise God. <laughs> he is going to restore the earth a millionfold. Redeem it. Resurrect it. A lot of people think heaven is a bunch of fat babies flying around with little wings. It's not true. Heaven is the earth redeemed. Heaven has always been the dwelling place of God. Earth has always been the dwelling place of people. And God will sit on his throne in heaven, and he will rule and reign over the earth. And guess what? We will get back to doing loving God loving our neighbor, and enjoying the earth. All the way back to the Garden of Eden, the way that it was supposed to be. We get glimpses of this, don't we? When somebody loves you deeply, when somebody pours out generously on you, and you get, you get a touch of heaven, you're just like, man. You see a sunset and something just like just ministers to you. See creation, celebrating and worshiping God. You see another human, love another human deeply, and you say, man, that's what it's supposed to be like. We live in a broken world still, and it's full of sin. But we, as his disciples, are called to proclaim and minister and live the kingdom now in real time and the disciples were to go and to start this process the apostles were to go and take all the teachings they learned about living and loving and serving each other and to minister them to the people they were able to do miraculous miracles we are not able to do these miracles of the kingdom on demand Are we able to do miracles? Are we able to be used by God to pray for somebody and see them healed? Absolutely. God does this all the time through his people. And we can ask. We can ask and we can ask and we can ask. We can keep asking. The Lord can say no. But he can also say yes. And so why wouldn't we go to a generous king and ask him, Lord, if you are willing, make me whole. If you are willing, heal this person, would you do this work? We are able to live on earth as it is in heaven right now. You get to, church, right here in LA, legacy, you get to. I love this picture illustration, I think it's helpful. If we all went on a trip together, right, we're like, hey, got a giant plane, you know where we're going? Vacation! What? How long? We're going for a month, baby. Where are we going? We're going to this amazing place called heaven. We're going to go hang out there for a month. And we're going to soak in the culture and all the food and all the people and watch the way they love and serve each other. And we get back down after vacation. We are going to permeate the culture of L.A. with that culture. We're going to live out the kingdom right here in real time. That's what we're called to do, to simplify the whole thing for you. Don't I have to do this and don't do that and do this and don't do that? Law this, law religion, that, tradition. Got to dress this way, got to look this way, got to talk this way, got to think. Hello? We get so hung up on these little things. You're missing the big picture. Look at the second part of verse 8. Jesus brings more kingdom talk to these guys. He says, You received without paying 12 apostles. Hey, you received without paying anything. Give without pay. Jesus tells the apostles to pour out their lives from town to town without pay. No salary for you. His reasoning is you received salvation, these gifts and abilities, supernatural powers from me, and you didn't pay for them. I gave them to you so now give as you have been given to the apostles are like what we're gonna be able to heal lepers yeah yes you are and you didn't pay a dime for that I gave it to you for free so now as you go into the town give freely do not make people pay for miracles Bring the lepers, bring the deaf, bring the blind. Come on in here. All right, let's see, we got a blind one, we got a leper here, okay, we got a deaf, okay. Come on over here, we have somebody crippled. Come on over here, all right. Uh, For three easy payments of $39.95, we can do a miracle for you, my man. No. He said, you didn't have to pay for any of this. You're not gonna go in and make money off miracles. Give as you have been given. An amazing principle that we can't perfectly apply because we're not apostles and we do not have the power they had, again, to do miracles on demand, but we do have the ability to give as we have been given. God has been generous with us. How can we not be generous with others? And many of you here at Legacy are very generous. You bless my heart you encourage me you fill my heart with gladness i hear about the deeds of the saints loving and serving each other behind the scenes pouring out time pouring out money pouring out resources pouring out gifts talents and abilities to help and serve and love one another praise god for you you give without reserve you bless others you give as you have been given That's a principle of the kingdom. For in the kingdom, we will give freely to one another. We will give all that we have. It's no big deal. After all, hasn't our king done this? The king has done this. So we, his people, naturally follow in his ways. He actually tells them in verse 9, acquire no gold or silver. Look at this says, don't, don't go gold mining this week, don't be doing that. <laughs> Look at the tractor ready. Nope. Acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belts, no bag for your journey. Don't even, no luggage, buddy, Nope. What about a carry-on? Nope, 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 nope. No carry-on, no duffel bag, don't take anything. Don't take two tunics or sandals or a staff. Just take what you have. For the laborer deserves his food." What is Jesus saying? Allow me to explain. While we aren't called to do what the apostles were called to do, we can still glean from Jesus' point. The apostles were called to have nothing but the clothes on their backs and the Holy Spirit to guide them. And people try to use this and apply it in real time, and it doesn't work. Are all disciples now called only to have the clothes on their backs? Take nothing, have no salary, don't put food in your fridge, no home, no job, but traveling town to town to preach the kingdom? No. We should also point out that these instructions were only given for this specific mission. Because Jesus would later tell the disciples different instructions for other journeys. So this was for this specific mission. Mission, but we can glean from this the principle is we need to understand and believe that the Lord will provide and take care of us in every Season and every mission of life that he has called us to do No matter what season you're in No matter what mission Jesus is calling you to now. He will provide for you Jesus tells the boys hey don't take any gold or copper or silver you're not taking any luggage you're not taking anything. You're going to trust that I'm going to take care of you through the whole journey. What? Lord, but I, but I, but I love this back. Lord, but I really wanted to take this thing. I know. You don't need it. I'm going to make your sandals not wear out for 40 years in the wilderness with Moses. I'll provide manna for you every single day. You mean bread is going to fall from the sky? Yeah. They called it manna. You know what the word manna means in Hebrew? What is it? What is it? Manna cakes and manna bread and manna bagels and manna, you name it. Manna lattes. (laughs) Manna everything. It was supernaturally falling from the heavens. They were walking around in the middle of the desert and their sandals would not wear out. They had Ultra Boost in their sandals. Come on, sneakerheads, come on. They got tired of the manna and they started getting mad at God. We know bread falls from the sky every day, but we don't like this bread. We want something else, we want meat. We don't like it. We're going to go back to Egypt where we had meat. So the Lord says, okay. And dude, birds start showing up everywhere and they have more meat than they could ever imagine. Every single day. Here's the trick. Here's the secret. If you try to scoop up the manna and store it in a jar, you would wake up the next morning, there'd be maggots in it can't store up any. You have to trust the Lord every day that he's going to provide, that he's going to take care of you. That's a principle for us today, is it not? 2 Corinthians 9-8, God is able to make all grace abound to you. Did you know that? So that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Stop Worrying about provision and get on doing the work, and God will take care of you. If you worry every day about the manna and you try to store it up, it just brings maggots. Worry about your shoes running out is gonna take care of you. Psalm 37:25. I love this verse. Psalm 37:25. I have been young and now I am old, the psalmist says yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. Never. So stop worrying about it and just get on with the work. God's going to take care of you. What about pastors and those called to ministry? Should they do ministry full time or should they work jobs and stop pastoring, or half the pastoring? The answer is yes and yes. Some pastors want to work and only do ministry part-time. Other pastors don't have the option because the church is not able to take care of them. And others are called to do a life of full-time ministry. Relating to the apostles, the apostle Paul said in 1 Timothy 5.17, let the elders or the pastors who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. He's basically telling the young Timothy, he says, if the church, if any house church is able to support and love the pastor in that way, let them do so so they continue preaching and teaching from week to week. I'm very blessed to be able to serve at this capacity here in our church. I'm very thankful for the privilege to do so. I don't take it for granted. There are a lot of churches who are not able to do so. But then there are other pastors who don't feel called to do so, and they would rather work full-time and be in a serving lay position, or some want to work part-time and run their side gig, and then work in the church part-time as well. But this is part of the topic of the leadership of the church. The apostles were called to go and trust that the Lord would provide for them. Jesus told his disciples for this trip, you don't need anything And as you go place to place, you will be provided for. Look at verses 11 to 14. Jesus says, whatever town or village you enter, boys, find out who is worthy in it and stay there until you depart. As you enter the house, greet it. And if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave leave that house or town. Basically, the Lord is saying, don't book a hotel before you travel. Hotels.com, kayak, you can't do that. He says, just enter the town and see who will receive you. Apostles, if they receive you, bless them. Bring them peace and encouragement in their home. If they don't receive you or want to listen, just leave. Don't worry about it. Just leave. Go on your way. Verse 15, Jesus said, truly I say to you, it'll be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town, who completely rejects the apostles and says, "And, ah, we got no time for you, get out. Jesus is saying as if, if a town or people won't receive you, don't get mad, just leave. It's okay to be sad, but don't bring judgment on them. God will take care of that in the end. A principle no doubt for us. While we are not called to enter cities and knock on people's doors and say, Hey, can I stay here? The Lord Jesus sent me. <laughs> oh, that's funny. You people doing this. We can realize that everyone in this city will not welcome the message of Christ. Are we not or we are not to get angry with them? It's okay to be sad. But we are never to take judgment into our own hands. Protecting the innocent is one thing. Punishing people for their sins is another. That's God's work, not ours. We are called simply to proclaim the message. We need to recognize there will be consequences for following Jesus. And he points this out to the apostles. He warns them before their journey. He just says, hey, there's going to be towns that you go into that nobody is going to accept you. You're going to go into that town thinking you're going to take it by storm and nobody wants you there. And then he tells them, he brings great warning to them. Look at verse 16. Behold. I mean, if we were having, um, if we were having a, a meeting or something like that and all of a sudden I stop the meeting and just say, behold. I'm about to tell you something. Very important. He says, I am sending you guys out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. He didn't want his apostles to be surprised. He told them the truth up front, and I'm thankful. He says, I'm sending you out as sheep. I'm not sending you out as wolves. I'm sending you out as sheep. Wait, you mean those fluffy things? why don't I get to be the wolf I want to be the wolf no no you get to be the sheep I am sending you out boys as sheep amongst wolves you were going out disarmed among the armed You are going out disarmed, think about a sheep versus a wolf, there is no challenge. I'm sending you out disarmed among the arms, so be wise and clever as a snake in the grass. But do not take on the venom of the serpent, stay innocent as doves, don't attack, your job is to follow the shepherd. That's what sheep do your job is to follow the shepherd that's what sheep do he will do the protecting and he will do the attacking you ever see some wolves try to come up on some sheep while the shepherd is nearby watch out David would pull out his sling and start slaying wolves He'd pull out his rod, and he would go after them. He'd beat those wolves out of there real quick. And this is difficult, but I'm thankful Jesus said it. Well, many of us, if not all of us, will probably not be crucified for our faith in Jesus, we will be persecuted. The apostles would be crucified. I'm sending you out as sheep amongst wolves. You're going to get slaughtered. But I will protect you in the end. I'm thankful Jesus said it. He gave them a warning. He told them the truth. And we must be aware and not stupid and foolish. Listen, family, you don't go into battle with neon orange, a neon orange shirt on. You do that when you go hunting so that another hunter doesn't shoot you. But if you do that during war, like, hey, everybody, I'm over here. You go in with camo on. You go in with a mindset of battle. I see some Christians paint a giant bullseye on their foreheads and then get mad when they get shot down. That's not clever. That's not wise as a serpent. That's foolish. Hey, man, I'm being persecuted. Who goes into war that way? The step of proclaiming truth is the step of going into war and not sitting at home, but we are to be wise in the war if you want to survive and not foolish. Jesus warns his guys, and as we will see in verse 23, he tells them to flee to the next city if they're being attacked. He says, don't stay in that town if you're being attacked. Flee to the next city, get out of town. Like, no, no. Not foolish, Jesus warns his guys, don't be dumb. There's a difference between being brave in the battle and being ignorant of the battle and how to fight. Being strategic is important. It should never compromise the truth or our mission, but we can be strategic. And Jesus is training his boys now in war. We're called to do that. Try to be wise as serpents here in this town. Everybody is clever in this town. They are uh, very street smart. Been around the block a few times. And I noticed this because I, while with academics, I didn't really excel too much. I I didn't exactly grow up on the street, but I did grow up in the street. Uh, Not a lot of supervision. I'm riding around my bike as a kid all around town and me and my brothers are running amok, getting into trouble and doing terrible things. You start to run with people and you start to grow in your understanding. You have experience. My mom died when I was young. I had to wake up to death and wake up to a lot of gnarly situations as a kid. We didn't have money growing up. We were the kids. Uh, We lived in a trailer park there for a little while in Paris. And uh, somehow we got out of there and by the grace of God would find ourselves uh, in these positions today. We went through a lot of uh, terrible things, but I reflect back on it and see that in that tragedy I was learning and having the ability to read people and understand people's intentions oftentimes long before they reveal them. And I'm thankful for a lot of that difficulty because it brought out a lot of that wisdom through terrible experience. And I didn't know that I would need it for this town. A lot of times when I hear somebody talking to me, whether it be in the church or outside the church, Oftentimes you can look at your watch and almost identify how long it will be until they then will do the same thing to you that they are telling you that someone else did to them. You can pick up on things very quickly and Jesus is warning his disciples to be wise. Don't be gullible. Don't go into society with a bullseye on your forehead. What are you doing? We're here to be strategic and infiltrate with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can I, can I say this? I, I think, I, I'm, I'm gonna say it because we live in this city of entertainment. Sometimes I'm so saddened by, I think there's a time and a place for it. Sometimes I'm so saddened by Christian entertainment when we have uh, the entertainment of the world laced with all of the ideas of the world. It's so beautifully crafted and, and very sneaky and cleverly put into places in which it moves you and infiltrates your heart and mind. You take on their views. You take on their culture, you take on all of that stuff simply through watching a film and or sitcom. You just absorb it and you're like, man, that was great. You miss all of their intention, all of the reality of what they're trying to do to turn the culture in a certain direction. And here we go with our Christian entertainment, we just put a bullseye right on our forehead like, hey, here we are. We don't lace any stories with the gospel or with the love of Christ, with the forgiveness and grace of God. We're not clever in that way. We've, we've lost in academics. We've lost in the sciences. We've lost in entertainment. We've, we used to own all of it. Did you know that? The greatest universities in America were Christian universities. We've given them up. It's so sad. We are to be wise as serpents, but not as harmful. We're to be innocent as doves. Blameless, but wise. Be wise. Think about what you're doing and why you're doing it. Take a few more steps to really think what we're going to do. Jesus tells him to do so. He says, get ready, dude, because they are going to kill you. So be wise, so you can spread the gospel to the ends of the earth. Verse 17, beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues, and you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. Jesus just reveals the whole bag. He says, get ready, boys. Even as you are wise as serpents and innocent as doves, you will still be caught and brought into court and you will be flogged. What's flogged? Is that when they spray a Christmas tree with like the white stuff? No. (laughs) Flogging 2,000 years ago is the act of whipping or lashing someone. The act of methodically beating the human body with special things such as whips, Lashes rods and any other device that inflicts pain and harm most of the time it involved a severe beating of chastisement So being flogged is one of the most inhumane things that one person or persons can do to another They would sometimes take the leather straps and put bone and glass on them So it would rip the back open the Apostle Paul was flogged multiple times We know Jesus our Lord was flogged as well before he went to the cross Jesus says, you will be dragged before governors and kings and courts. You'll be flogged, and the purpose will be to bear witness of the truth I give to you. The whole purpose of you being arrested, if it happens, if you haven't been able to flee the city and go to the next, if you get arrested, make sure you realize it's an opportunity to bear witness of me and tell them the truth. If you get caught, when you get caught, continue to preach truth to them I want to remind you that none of us here have faced anything close to what the apostles had to go through. The worst that might happen to us is someone gets mad in our city. But no one is being arrested for preaching the gospel, so we have no excuse. Really, nobody is. We live in a pretty free land where we can still preach and proclaim, so why wouldn't we do so? Look at verse 19 and 20 when they deliver you over, not if. Jesus said to these 12, when they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Praise God. Jesus says, I know you will be scared and nervous when you're brought before the crowds and before kings, but don't worry. The Holy Spirit of God the Father will give you the words you need the principle for us. Most of us will not stand before kings and give testimony of Jesus. But we will stand before our family, our friends, our neighbors, our co-workers and fellow citizens of Los Angeles. Don't worry about what to say. Just testify of how the Lord Jesus has changed your life. Tell them about the goodness of God. Invite them to come and worship don't worry about what to say just start speaking and the Spirit of God will lead you to say what you need to say too often we don't say anything we have opportunities all the time in the city we don't say anything I dare you to pray for somebody in public what I know they would they would do that too is it okay if I pray for you before you go oh no dude this Christian's gonna pray for me right now you have to pray for five minutes. Why don't you just lay your hand and say, Lord bless this person in Jesus' name? Amen. Lord bless you, man. Thanks for letting me pray for you. I'll see you on Sunday. I didn't say I was coming to church. I know I'll see you on Sunday. <laughs> Simple steps trusting that the spirit of god actually lives in us and is going to meet us in that situation and give us the words to speak what happens when you actually step out in faith and then you start ministering that person boom they're in tears and then they're asking you would you pray for me you know my grandma raised me in the church when i was a kid but i've been to the church since i was a kid wow i think god sent you to me today Why are we so scared? Jesus said to them, don't be anxious when you stand before kings. We're not standing before kings. We're just standing before our neighbor, and we're nervous. It's okay to be nervous. Know that God's gonna meet you. Sadly, Jesus shares the worst that will happen, but he does not share, because he is scared to lose his disciples. He tells them the truth because he wants to plant some hope in them. Look at verse twenty-one, twenty-two. Brother will deliver brother over to death, and the father his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures till the end will be saved. This is just scary and sad. But it is the reality of what has happened over the last two thousand years and who knows where the future is going many saints have died at the hands of their families handing them over to authorities because they hate the message of christ could this happen again in our day yes perhaps how can i not tell you what jesus said do i think it will probably happen in this day probably not Our persecution will be being canceled and pushed out, but being put to death for preaching Jesus in America, probably not soon. Could it happen long term? Of course. But instead, we need to stand firm in the ground we have been given. Why are we giving up land? Why are we retreating? This is crazy to me. We have been given a platform and a land in which we can preach the gospel freely to our neighbor, to anybody in town, and we cannot be arrested for it. You could go right now and do that to anybody. we were just talking in the back. True. It's like we have a farmer's market right here. Hundreds, not thousands of people coming by every single week. And it's like they don't even know there's good news on the planet. It says nobody's told them. Sure, some will reject it. But who knows? Many may receive it. Why are we giving up land? Even if things do go south as he promised his disciples, there is hope. You may lose here on earth, but you win big in eternity, no doubt. But he who brings hope to comfort the terrible, he comforts them in the terrible news. The one who endures to the end will be saved. He promises, don't worry. As you endure to the end through all the persecution, you will be saved from it all. And your stance for Christ will send a message that will ring through the generations to come. And as you're preaching the gospel, people will actually come to know the Lord. First Corinthians 15:58, my beloved brothers, be steadfast immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your work, your labor is not in vain. Nobody sees what I do. Nobody sees what I'm doing for the kingdom. The Lord sees your labor is not in vain, and it will yield fruit into the future. God will keep his believers to the end and help them endure, and they will be saved. I love this. Jeremiah 32 40 I will make an everlasting covenant with my people and I will never stop doing good to them and I will inspire them to fear me so that they will never turn away from me Never they're gonna walk with me until the very end No one can stop you from walking with God till the very end as one of his people it will happen not even yourself John 10, 28, I give eternal life to them and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. Nobody. Yes, a wolf of the world may kill us and put us to death, but no one will be able to take us away from the love of God. And I'll close in this. Romans eight thirty eight. for I am convinced that neither death Nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything created will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And I mean nothing. That is our hope and that is our peace. As the disciples are being sent out into the world, they're like, Lord, are we going to all die? Are we going to be okay? And Jesus says, don't worry, endure till the end. I've got you. I'm your backup. And you can call on me anytime. I will carry you to the very end. These guys went all in. They gave up everything. And while we are not called to their mission, we are called to our own mission. I don't know what God is calling you to. But I want to ask that you would seek him and that you would ask him and that you would get on. Living out the kingdom of heaven right where you're at in your world. With your group, with your neighbors, with your friends, with your co-workers. Would you get on living out the gospel? Jesus will meet you and he will carry you. Let's be wise as serpents, innocent as doves. The Lord will carry us. Amen? Let's pray. Let's all stand up, huh? We'll pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And I pray, oh God, I want to ask now, Lord, that you would please fill us with your Holy Spirit, new and afresh in this moment. Your people, your believers, your sheep, you are the shepherd, and you are sending us out amongst wolves, but you will protect your people. Even if we lose in this life, we do not lose ultimately. We are planting seeds and treasure that others will be able to receive. Lord, I pray that you would open the eyes and hearts of your church, that we would supernaturally be able to see what you have been calling us to, who you've been calling us to talk to, who you've been calling us to minister to, how you have been calling us to live out your kingdom, That we would see this now. That we would remember these truths. We would not be afraid. We would trust in you. We would carry out this plan here in Los Angeles. Please, Lord, use us for your glory. Please, Lord, use this church to minister to your lost sheep in this city. Where are they? Lead us to them. We will pray for them. We will minister to them. We will help them. We will love them. We will serve them. Help us, Lord. Show us. We need you. Forgive us for being so distracted by everything else. Help us to bring heaven here on earth now. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.